name is Glory. I'm a third year student studying at the Bartlett School of Architecture in London, originally from Hong Kong. And I'm Yan Shan. I'm a third year architecture student studying at the Bartlett as well, and I'm originally from Malaysia. You're listening to Designing Thoughts with the Archigals, a podcast where we talk about working and creativity, living well, the human condition with relationships, and life experiences. Before we get into the podcast, I would just like to ask for a small favor. It would mean a lot to us if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or leave a comment on our YouTube channel just to let us know how you feel about the podcast and other topics you'd be interested in hearing in. Hi everyone, welcome back to our podcast. I'm your host Glory, and this is your co-host Yanshan. And uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, aesthetics and architecture, and kind of like form, functionality, and all that jazz. So hopefully this will be interesting to you. So as usual, we can kick off with our weekly update. So Yanshan, how has your week been? The week after reading week. Uh oh, it's been a good week. Really? What did I do? Oh, we went to we went to Kew Gardens yeah. on Tuesday oh, yeah. for a history field trip. So that was really nice. Did you like it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did like it. It's actually really nice. This is house which is like really warm inside, which is really nice because <laughs> it's like the tropical house. And then, um, it's nice to get out of London sometimes, and it's actually a really nice area as well. Yeah, I was gonna say that it's a good kind of escape from, um, studio. Even though I know during the trip, like I kept bothering you, and I was like, Yanshan, I'm I'm so stressed. Like I don't have time to do my work. You're like, just enjoy the trip. Please, <laughs> yeah. And then um, I went to my site, which is very far. And then I did got some work done, which is good. I had a good tutorial. Mm-hmm. So pretty, pretty mm-hmm. normal, typical week for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, I feel like at the beginning my week wasn't that great. Like personal stuff, dealing, uh, dealing with some personal stuff. So I think up till Thursday I was still feeling pretty crap. But then on Friday I had a good tutorial as well. It's actually really nice. I remember I keep telling you that I was so surprised that my tutorial went well. You're like, Glory, can you please just like accept the fact that you're actually doing well? So yeah, that was really nice. I um, had a good tutorial, and then I put my drawing on the wall, and then I think we just had good discussions with like some of my unit mates and friends, mm-hmm. and then I had dinner with my friends at a vegan restaurant, and then that was really nice to just talk about stuff, and then. Yeah, yesterday also, cause it's almost submission, dude. I can't believe it's almost end of term one. Like, yeah. can you believe it? I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> like two more weeks until submission, you know? And so this week it's uh, Dan, my tutor says like it's time to like go hard on it, and I feel like I like on Wednesday already made time to go out with like my sister, so I feel like I don't have enough time, but I'm gonna try my best because yesterday I already spent majority of my time in the studio. And then today I'm just gonna, like, have because my friend has a birthday thing, so you know. But it's like because this submission would be like ten percent of our final grade, so it's actually quite a big thing. Really? How do you know it's ten percent? Because it's fifteen credits out of one twenty. Okay, I don't know how oh the math works. A bit more than ten percent. Okay. Well, thank you for making me suddenly realize how. Okay, important. but this is like that's the indicative mark. You can always make it better, although. None of us will actually put in the effort to do that. Yeah, but no. Um. Yeah, I I still kind of I I really enjoyed the process so far. Um. Yeah. How are you feeling for your P one so far? It's good. I think for the amount of effort that I put in, it's going pretty well. Okay. <laughs> I don't put in like tons and tons of effort. No, I think you put in a lot. You like shouldn't dumb yourself. Down. I feel like you do. Like for the. Like for the amount of, because I always feel like you're a work hard, play hard type of person, and I feel like for your personality, I feel like you put in a lot of effort, at least from okay. my point of view. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Although I definitely don't work like eight hours a day like you, but yeah. Uh, well, well, I still feel like you managed to do a lot in like a shorter period of time. Like I need to spread it out, you know. <laughs> Thank you. So nice. You're welcome. Let me see what else happened this week. I played touch rugby, which was actually oh, pretty yeah. fun. Oh yeah, you told me it was it was so nice because I feel like when you when you tell me you're doing sports and then I'm like oh yeah you get all the adrenaline and like release mm-hmm. all your endorphins and then you seem so happy. I remember you telling me that you were so happy like yeah I was just so happy. I think because of the endorphins, I was just like running so much and then I was sore from like 
the day after until today. I'm still sore from all that running. But it's like a good sore. Like I feel like yeah. when you're sore, you're happy that you're sore. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah. I think that's yeah. <laughs> but I think I should like just get more fit. You know? I don't understand why I'm so sore. It wasn't so much running. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I'm happy that you're you're doing touch because it it's really fun. I yeah. I did it before. Um, but I did. I'm not did badminton. Doing, yeah, but I'm doing like... badminton. If I didn't do badminton, I I would actually do touch with with you. You know, because it's both Wednesday evening. Yeah. But, anyways, <laughs> all right. So that was our week. Um, and then we can move on to the bulk of the topic, which is aesthetics. So I guess we can start off with what aesthetics is. I, I guess it's different from like what it is in like Tumblr and Pinterest compared to what it is in. Philosophy and stuff. What is it in philosophy? So in philo, it's like the the study of beauty, and like how things look. Whereas like when you say something is aesthetic, it's like oh, it looks nice. Oh, okay, so actually aesthetics is like an actual course, like a field of study. Yeah, so it's like philosophy. In philosophy, it's like a set of principles underlying the work of an artistic movement, the nature of beauty or taste. It's like mm-hmm. concerned with appreciating beauty. So there's actually like a set of principles, is there? Yeah, like, I guess the thing with aesthetics is that, like, people say that it's concerned with taste instead of, uh, like, so it's something which you decide on an individual basis, but then pe- you always want to have rules to determine whether something's aesthetic or not. So Yeah, because I was saying yeah. if it's, like, a field of study, surely they might, like, they might have, like, a set of rules or, you know, like, a, kind of, like, these guidelines, like, how do you define what's beautiful mm. and what's what's mm. not i know that the thing that comes off off of the top of my head is like symmetry mm. would be like one of the rules i would say but i think all of it i don't know i think a lot of it is down to like individual preference so mm. i mean we don't have to dwell into that much of it but yeah on the surface level like you said it would be like kind of pinterest tumblr that type of aesthetics you know yeah so yeah. like if you if you look for like aesthetic, you know that YouTube videos called how to be aesthetic, and then there's things like doing your morning routine, decorating your room, um, making your Instagram like, you know how it used to be trendy to make your Instagram like one color aesthetic like like a color base. Yeah, like having a color theme. Yeah, and I used to want to do that too, but then I was just too lazy. But like I think that's part of it, and also like using Visco. And then start starting like a cup Tumblr blog. Were you in the age where like people make used to make Tumblr blogs? I've that never was, had like, Tumblr. Kind of cool. I never had Tumblr, and I don't know what Visco is. <laughs> oh, okay. Visco is like the photo editing app, which is oh, like super okay. aesthetic. Anyway, and then <laughs> you like yeah. So basically, like when you dress following a color palette, so using yeah. mood boards. Okay, I feel like the whole how to be aesthetics type-esque of YouTube videos it's like taking it too far you know like I I feel like okay your life could look aesthetic but that's only for the gram you know <laughs> like you can't you can't have oh I have a, such an aesthetic life <laughs> I don't think that really makes... I feel like sometimes it makes me happy to have an aesthetic like that kind of aesthetic life as in like sometimes I'm like wow I'm like going to the gym okay I'm not sure that counts as being aesthetic but then like I'm like making <laughs> breakfast eating it that, and then I, I have feel cool like, pictures on my wall. I feel like that's being productive. That's true. That's, and then that's the living different. space. I feel like the living space is the backdrop for the aesthetics. So the aesthetics actually applies to the interior of your room. That makes the whole thing aesthetic. Because you could be performing the same activities. Mm. But then it wouldn't be aesthetic because the backdrop is not a quote-unquote aesthetics. Yeah. That kind of leads into the second point of like <laughs> architecture because it's the backdrop, right? Of like providing the aesthetics, kind but of. But I think also make being aesthetic sometimes means like making sure your outfits match and have like a vibe. So it can be also like clothing. Yeah, exactly. But but also, guess... but also you're right. It's like the backdrop is in like the act. It's not really the actions that you do. It's more like how like how something looks, how your room looks, and you look. Yeah, exactly. It's the kind of the surface visuals of it, and then the the activity performed, like kind of complements. So then the activity links to the aesthetic, and then the, I feel like the activity, like without the aesthetics, should only be called productive. You know what I mean, <laughs> okay. I feel like that that's how it is. Okay, just this is a branch of philosophy, but okay. <laughs> okay. Anyways, let's move on from this tangent, and like 
move on to like kind of the kind of the architecture part i guess kind of art like functionality versus aesthetics that yeah. kind of thing i feel like because of our school at the ballet it's like you have to be aesthetic like like the pictures that you the images that you produce and the projects that you produce have to have an have to have an a, a coherent aesthetic which means that the pictures look as if they come from the same designer and also they have to be like aesthetically pleasing came from the same designer you mean from you or yeah from like us from us as in like i feel like all the images that we produce have to look as if they're made by the same person you can't just like you can't like mesh aesthetics what do you mean by the same person you mean like you as a designer or as a collective from the school no me as a designer so you have to have your own distinct style yeah that's what i mean oh i don't think i don't feel that i don't know i feel like i don't feel that way but i guess if you look back at my work maybe i do have like a certain language i don't know if you feel that way Mm. but um i feel like we are forced to have a language actually like i actually feel like if i decided to one day draw like a ug one style like technical drawing but then with like i don't know and 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 then put that with like a high-tech animation render that I'll probably end up doing then it's just wouldn't jive I mean to be fair I feel like because like because your whole project has a kind of storyline that goes with it right mm-hmm. because if you suddenly shift like if it's not supported by the storyline and you randomly make changes in kind of like your language or say your style then I feel like the story wouldn't flow like it doesn't support it like why are you making the sudden jump mm. you know I, I kind of see it that way because otherwise if you're if your portfolio kind of have all these different styles then it just looks like you're you're kind of unsure of what you're doing and you're just jumping mm. around um and when you i think when you finally find a language or a style that kind of complements what you're trying to say through your project then that kind of language develops throughout like that makes more sense to me i feel like even for me like when i look back at my year two work and like this year there's kind of similarities but Mm -hmm. which you could say like that's my style but then I feel like it developed organically for me at least I don't know how you feel about it yeah I think it's organic Um, but it's also something that's expected well yeah but I I guess you can say because like so many students have went through the same path as us so obviously you can say it's expected but then for, for me or for us I didn't I obviously at the beginning of the path I didn't know how it was going to turn out. So for me, it's always been a process of seeing, like, how does my language develop? Like, how does mm-hmm. how do I I think my language? tutors want, uh, want it to happen because if I make something which is of a different, even, like, HDR map, which is, like, the background, then they're like, oh, I think you should, you know, go back to the other one because you want it to look, like, especially for the final suite of images, which is, like, the end of the project when you're trying to present it and stuff. They have to be... They're like, just use the same filter, use the same misfunction and things. I think because maybe mine is like very controlled in the render environment. Okay. I mean, obviously yours is like very digital, so I wouldn't have much of a, much knowledge in it. So for context, like, um, I'm a very analog person. So my projects are all very analog. Like I do a lot of hand drawings and stuff. Whereas Yen Shan's projects is very digital. Like she uses a lot of different softwares, like, you used Rhino last year and this year using like Maya or mm. something yeah Max. So, and also like with a lot of like post editing in Photoshop which you do too to be fair yeah photo- well Photoshop is like for everyone but you do like 3D rendering and stuff which mm-hmm. I have no idea how to do <laughs> but um yeah I I don't know like I didn't know what the HDMI map is yeah. I'm completely saying it wrong but I kind of I kind of get it like the final suite of images like have to look a certain way I think but that's also based off of like what you've done throughout the year Mm, you know like if you kind of produce I feel like because in the beginning it's all blank canvas you can kind of go in any direction you want and Mm -hmm. then I feel like once the students have like a kind of thought of which directions and what language they want to adapt and use then that kind of forms the main basis of like where they're for where their language or style is going to go towards Mm -hmm. and then the tutor accordingly reacts to what you've produced and then like tells Mm -hmm. you kind of the direction of like what you should do next and not like jump too far away from it otherwise the project kind of like derails and stuff 
What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Definitely, it, it follows on from what you've been doing in the past. But I guess the point was that our school really focuses on, on, on aesthetics compared to functionality because a lot of other schools look at, um, like, I think someone else was telling me that, like, bath and stuff, you have to do projects with engineers. Yeah. So they really have to follow, like, whether it's, be, whether it's able to be built and that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, I actually spoke to some students from uh, Bath when I was applying, and it is very technical. Like, I think one of my um, seniors from my high school showed me one of her portfolios, and it was like a lot of calculations and uh, a lot of physics and maths, which is like for them, I think that's their approach, you know, it, it's, it's all good. Like, that's what they're good at. Um, mm. But which I almost wanted to apply because I wanted to do maths and science. Actually, the other day, like for one of my uh, videos, like there was someone who commented like, how much maths and physics do you use? And I was like, okay, how do I form this question? How do I form my answer? You know, I don't feel like it's none because I feel like there is consideration. Like, okay, to be fair, like first year was the most physics and maths you've ever used in this course, obviously, Mm -hmm. for one of the modules, like structures. And then I feel like for the other, like, year two and three, there's, like, no maths. I feel like it's mostly, like, basic physics, say, for, like, the tech tech mm-hmm. report. Um, you have to consider that at least. Um, I feel like you do, you do do a lot of research for, like, the site and stuff, but it's not really, like, applying, like, complex physics or maths kind mm-hmm. of um, knowledge to it. But I do think there's some sort of, I guess, basic physics to it. Um, but, yeah, like you said, there is a lot of um, emphasis on the the aesthetics and the visuals and how it's perceived um, when you showcase it to other people. Yeah. Um, but I feel like that's kind of like Bartlett's trademark. Like when we've talked, we talked about this to Dan in the previous episode as well. Like it's kind of like known for their stunning like visuals to capture the viewer's attention. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for, for them, that's what they're good at and that's their kind of selling point as a mm-hmm. school. And I feel like in the end, I feel like for that visual to be super stunning, the kind of end goal is to kind of sell the idea to the viewer the most. Mm-hmm. And the first step is to capture their attention through the visuals. And then yeah. you can kind of like get through them through the visuals and then explain the project through that, you know? Yeah. I think that makes sense because also even though we don't really use a lot of maths and physics, we still use quite a lot of, we still have to consider like the budget, okay, not really budget, we have to consider like the project site, the site constraints and the project requirements. And we still have to have like a producer technical report, which looks at whether it's able to be built or not. So not really whether it's cheap to be built, but whether, like how far you can push uh, materials so that what you're building is still feasible. And I think that's, really important and kind of is enough like it it really speaks to the speaks like you end up having a conversation between like design and some and the technical side and it's like really interesting to have that conversation instead of the the conversation being about oh where can I get the materials and uh, how can I bring it to site and how much would it cost and stuff like that yeah but even so I feel like like it's nice that those questions are there to like kind of keep you grounded mm-hmm. like despite the fact that I didn't really enjoy doing my tech report in second year mm-hmm. um, I still feel like it was kind of asking the important questions it's not just like completely speculative you know like I feel mm-hmm. like Bartlett students like obviously are crazily talented and creative and you see a lot of these speculative projects that seem really insane but like behind each of these projects is actually like a super detailed tech report and mm-hmm. I feel like like Bartlett doesn't really advocate that part of it so nobody really gets to see that side of the project mm-hmm. but there is a lot of like detailed like tech stuff that goes behind it like even for us our third year with our projects we still have to pre- like do a tech report so we'll see how that goes but um yeah I, re- I still remember them asking like the cost of the like what's the cost of the project and then I had to like go and research like different buildings and like their cost like at a similar size to mine and like try and speculate like the cost of that that mm-hmm. building but yeah did you enjoy the tech part like yeah I really did that's good actually I'm not sure I did 
but I think I think I think it was it, it was good. It was a good exercise. Yeah, I'm not I agree. sure. It was a good yeah, I'm not sure I enjoyed it. But then again, I'm not sure I enjoy much of my course. Most of it's just a good exercise. <laughs> but then again, like you know how people um there's that whole argument about whether which one is more important in architecture, and I feel like for me at least, some of my favorite buildings are ones which are really not economical and not well built but they're just so nice to look at like to me how it looks is just so important like for example like a lot of Zaha Hadid's buildings even though they don't really work properly like I remember like I don't really know Dongdaemun Plaza that was like the building which I think I went there and I was like 13 14 and I was like yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna design after this because it's just so nice there was like the wind and then there's like people and then there's like music and then it's like so big and I was like oh it's so nice yeah, I w- actually went to Dongdaemun Plaza, um, like, right before I went to uni, like, like, maybe, like, one or two years before applying to architecture, and, like, I think as a noob who knows nothing about architecture, I was like, oh, this is so cool, and then I actually felt, I was like, oh, the fluidity between the exterior and the interior is just so cool, until, like, you go into architecture school and realize that everyone kind of, like, just <laughs> makes <laughs> fun of it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Which, I, I get it, but then at the same time, I feel like for people who don't really know architecture at all, that's kind of, like, very cool and, like, fluid and, like, a great experience for them to, like, enjoy the space. You know what I mean? So it's always balancing, like, experiential versus whether it actually serves its purpose, which is why I guess all these buildings end up being, like, museums and... Because then, then they don't really have, like, a set... Function. Like, such a... Like, very tight constraints to how yeah to how it should function compared to like even an office block yeah mm. yeah um i mean this kind of follows the whole question of like form versus function right like should form follow function or like should function follow form that kind of thing so this is like a i guess a, a principle of design or like a saying that's like brought up a lot in architecture i always hear it in first year i don't know if you heard it a lot they were like oh form follows function or like function follows form basically it's a principle of design associated with like late 19th and early 20th century like architectural industrial design in general that -hmm. states that the shape of a building or an object should primarily relate to its intended function or purpose Mm -hmm. so like this phrase form follows function kind of became like a battle cry of modernist architects after the 1930s and basically they're kind of like it's kind of to imply that like decorative elements like like ornaments or superfluous in like modern buildings and it's not really like necessary you know mm-hmm. um so yeah and then i thought it was just like an interesting read like back then to look at kind of like it's almost i remember reading this book called the architecture of happiness i think it's by elaine the Botton. yeah yeah and then they were talking about kind of like the battle between like engineers and like architects and how like engineers wanted to be utilitarian and then yeah. architects wanted to like add ornaments to it. Yeah. I feel like I feel like it's kind of all obviously like finding a balance between the two because I I don't know I I know some people who really like utilitarian buildings and like not very ornamental. But obviously like I feel like super decorative ornaments like from like I say nineteenth century is kind of like outdated now. It's not really that ornamental anymore. Right. I feel like now it's more about like what's the word like parametrics design. Okay. Oh right. Yeah, or like those kind of things. So, but yeah. I think there's something that relates the two, and also I think even in ornamentation, that was a really even until now when it does. But for example, like when when I went to Spain that week, and then I saw like some Gaudi buildings, and it was just like so nice to look at the ornamentation on it and like the details and the fact that it's yeah. like so useless just makes it even more cool that like they that it's able to be <laughs> put on like why would anyone do that like why would you make a railing so like hard to make like it's just like you could have just done it so much easier but i guess it's like yeah but then i, I but then i feel like now yeah there's less of that but also because it's maybe considered old-fashioned like it's out of taste yeah, but I, I, I definitely understand what you're saying. Like, or ornaments, like, did their thing, you know? Like, they're there for that specific reason to be, like, looked at and appreciated. Which means it's done its thing, you know? And mm-hmm. I feel like I can also appreciate, like, ornaments for what they are. 
But obviously, if like every building is like that, that's not gonna work. But I feel like it's nowadays, even like within our projects that exist. I think I kind of looked at like ornaments like this, like for my P one kind of mm. Louis Sullivan. But I feel like it's definitely finding the the balance between the two. I guess, but obviously, like our our opinions doesn't make any like doesn't carry any weight because we're not actually like architects or anything. Mm. We're just like undergrad students, mm-hmm. um, and everything we do only exists in our heads and in our projects on paper or like in a PDF document, you know. So we can kind of say whatever we want, but I think um, it's just kind of finding a balance between the two, and like even though you have the kind of speculative part, the design that kind of I guess that'll kind of be kind of the ornament side of things or like the aesthetic part, but it's still grounded with like the context and the site and like you say the the functionality of like what that building is doing. Yeah, and I think even though we say that our course in this school doesn't emphasize the technical aspect so much, some units in particular still look at. For example, my unit I think has an emphasis on material testing, even though this kind of ends up in everyone having a similar like machine-ish aesthetic. But because we are forced to test and iterate, that's also a way of uh, replicating what really goes on in the industry. I think actually I don't know. Yeah, we can't say anything, but I think it's just our experiences. Like, yeah. In the unit and the project. Yeah, and also I think. If you go too far with the, for example, even your unit, I guess would be considered the most like imaginary-ish. You still have to produce a tech report for it, and you still have to make it work, at least on paper. And I guess even when you design it, it doesn't just float around like things like they have stands and then they have like armatures and they they land yeah. on the ground and stuff. Because I feel like ultimately that's the difference between like art and architecture. Like mm. you need to have you you will have restraints like let's not say budget but also like sites mm-hmm. and the context of like what you're building and then the kind of like the the reason of why you're building those are all like yeah like things that grounds it is that's why it's not just like floating around yeah you know? I think also leading on from like the reason why you build it even if you add ornamentation or even if you choose to use Zaha Hadid style like parametric design it's still has to be led by a narrative, so、mm-hmm. in a way, it's not superfluous because it and and also you if, even if you wanted to put it in just for the sake of making it look nice, your your tutor probably wouldn't agree to that because it doesn't suit your narrative. Yeah, I think all of it is just a process of like picking out what is what should go in there,、mm-hmm. and also like like you said,、um, the kind of the kind of language and. Style that you follow throughout the project, like you said, like it all comes down together, like following the narrative of the project anyway. So, yeah, yeah. I think it's just and it just unfolds organically、right. in the end. Yeah. So, I think、yeah. that leads to like, um, especially when you're making your final suite of images or your final a、uh, portfolio presentation, and then you know that image that you choose to put on your cover page,、mm-hmm. that's something which is. Really, really emphasize because of the like the aesthetic importance of that image, like the fact that that would be the image which is put on the website and put on your portfolio cover page, and what the critics see and the, when they are looking through your portfolio. The defining so, image of your、yeah. project. <laughs> so I feel like that's like an example of how aesthetics matters so much because、yeah. like we put so much effort towards making that one that. It's like single image, which doesn't really make sense because the point of architecture is to make like different ways of communicating a project, right? Like plan, section, elevation, and also renders and things. But it, most of the time, you end up having just like one image to like define your project. To be yeah, I do understand that. Okay, first of all, I actually never put my final image on the front page of my project <laughs> portfolio. I think it was my unit last year, but I never put my final image on the first page. So you're、It's- keeping it. Yeah, keep it for the end. It's always like a taster image of like what it is. Like it would be like a small drawing kind of thing, and then that would be like the final thing. But anyways,、um, but、yeah. for example, on the website, you as the cover picture, it wouldn't be the taster image, right? Because the website 
It, I, it still wasn't the final. Is it? Oh, okay. I didn't <laughs> it was, know that. It was my storyboard for the narrative. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. But yeah, I kind of get what you're saying. Like, especially for us when we're going to apply for jobs or whatever, and we want to make a portfolio, right? You're gonna put the best image on the front cover to capture people's attention. Like, that's just mm-hmm. how it is. And like, re- responding to what you say, kind of like that one image being the def- the, the 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 definition mm-hmm. and defining the entire scope mm-hmm. of the project. I feel like ultimately. Like for a visual sub like course or like field like architecture, like the visuals will define the scope of your project. And I have this quote from this random architect that I cannot remember the name of. I kept trying to look it up before this recording and I can't find it. But basically he was saying like if I could basically I think it was like an interviewer asking him, like, Oh, could you like explain your work and like a few mm-hmm. words or blah blah like and in brief like summarize it mm-hmm. and he was like well if my if words could explain it then i won't need to build it anyways mm. so i feel like yeah because the thing is i think also with having one image and you saying that it's about different processes that define the work but yeah. ultimately for say like an employer who's looking for like uh employees or right. people who are looking at your work you know people's attention span is short yeah like super short so how can you capture their intention in the shortest amount of time and like try to make them interested in learning the project that's the hero image like you have to let that image speak for itself and i think that's just how it is like despite like all of us saying yeah yeah but you know like it shouldn't be one image just defining the whole scope of the project because i spent like three months on it and i did all these plans and sections but ultimately like people don't really care if they don't know you you know you need to have something that speaks to them and makes them interested in like looking at your project and in the end it's really just letting the visual speak for itself and the project so people would look at it yeah yeah i think no matter how much we say that oh we should care about whether it follows whether it serves its function we are still like the architects (laughs) we're not like the engineers so we still have to make it look nice yeah, I think at least. Yeah, I think to some extent, yes. Okay, I was gonna ask, like, how do you think your sense of aesthetics have changed since you started at uni, or like since, yeah, or like how, like how do education has changed how you approach how something looks, or judge how something looks. Mm, I feel like definitely in the beginning, it's very like surface level, kind of like the whole Dong Diamond Plaza. <laughs> <laughs> Very, I still think it's such a cool building. I think it's cool. I mean, we're probably gonna. This is like controversial. Get some controversial I think it's cool. In architecture I don't think school. it's a good building. I just think it's cool. Yes. Okay. Made made our point clear. You know? But yeah, I feel like in the beginning, obviously, it's very like super, um, like on the level, superficial. But I feel like as I went into Bartlett, like you kind of. You ha- there's other things to appreciate other things to read into the building you know it's not just the visuals kind of thing Be- the, I think the thing is the visuals is the first thing you see that makes you want to learn what's going on behind that whole facade behind that visual mm-hmm. but that's going to be the first thing that captures your attention mm-hmm. otherwise it's just like if it's just a random building on the street mm-hmm. like no hate to any random <laughs> building but it's like what makes you want to learn about that building it has yeah. to capture your attention in some way and that's why you have all the critique and kind of things that goes along with like all these kind of modernist buildings. No, not modernist, sorry. Like all these like crazy buildings. That's why you have all these critiques, right? Because it catches people's attention and people want to talk about it. That kind of thing. Um, yeah. So yeah, I would say now that I went into Bartlett, I just learned more about kind of the things behind it. Even with history, you know, like how like like this week's trip at Kew Gardens is like when we looked at the pagoda, Right. Like that's supposed to be Chinese, but it's actually not authentic at all. Like right. you find you find other ways to pre- like look at things from different yeah. perspectives. It's not just oh it's a cool building and then you like walk away. You know, right. yeah. like there's so much stuff that goes on like behind it that you don't really see it. Because I went to Kew Gardens twice. The first time I went was before I went into architecture school. Saw the pagoda. Oh, cool building. Okay, bye. And then this time it was like, yes. So this is when William Chambers realized like they were super into um, Chinese like uh, building styles, even though it was like inauthentic and like kind of romanticized the whole uh, Asian kind of building um, style and made it into this whole pagoda that's not even authentic. So it's just it's just really interesting to see like different viewpoints of like 
um, looking at a building and it's not just like pure aesthetics but mm. obviously through like um, doing design projects by myself I also realized that it's not just kind of like artsy like mm-hmm. it's not just trying to be artsy that was kind of like my at least mm-hmm. that like being right. super honest that was like, my it's first... not about being quirky right or like having strange references yeah I or mean, developing like, like a visual aesthetic anyway yeah. continue yeah, I was just gonna say, like, to be completely very honest, in the beginning when I looked at Bartlett, I was like, oh, this is just, like, a very artsy school kind of mm. thing. That was, like, my first, I think that was my first impression. But then, mm. obviously, when I'm in the school, there's, like, so much more to that. I feel like, I mean, yes, they do focus on the, like, visuals and stuff, but then there's also stuff that goes behind it. I realized how much more important the development of the narrative for the project is, how much more there's context and research just behind, like, that one pretty image that's, like, stunning visuals to the outside viewer obviously yeah. as a viewer that's all you see but then once you actually did the work you realize that there's so much stuff just behind that one image yeah. you know and then now i feel like i can appreciate like those visuals a bit more and like i will ask like oh how did they come to that image how did they come to that yeah. conclusion that this is the best way to present the project and i feel like that's the most interesting part to me at least yeah i think for you like especially for you you really like the process of how someone gets to somewhere mm-hmm what about you? Like you, how about you? Like developing your aesthetics and like how you view buildings. I feel like it, 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 um, made it less. Yeah, like what you said, like less mainstream. If that makes sense. Oh, and and also things like, I used to n- not see like how different a portfolio, a good portfolio looks from a bad portfolio. Like, I I used to not be able oh to my see God, it. Yes. I and I've mean, talked about this before, <laughs> where it's like I just couldn't see that like the pictures don't line up at the corners and then the titles are different font size and it didn't used to bother me but now because tutors are just so like Particular about, it, about it it just like it just developed and I feel like that kind of eye for aesthetics has really developed so like the, especially in year two like the eye for finessing something like seeing if something like improving it to the point where it looks really really good and then mm. even if the improvement is like 10% it's like 10% better than the last one and that took like 50% of your effort it's still worth it okay yeah. I feel like this is me being like a, a bit bratty but yeah I feel like so, so, like sometimes it's still worth it if that's your job to make it look nice and then yeah. I feel like I learned so much of the process of like improving it to that point yeah I definitely get it and I think the main thing is just like having practice and how you do it mm. like I swear to god if you look back at that portfolio video that I uploaded on YouTube I, I hate that portfolio so much like with a burning passion I hate it so much because when you look back you know there's this meme on um, architecture pages on Instagram that was like there's this meme of someone washing their eyeballs and I was like after looking through my first ever attempt at a design portfolio that's how I feel I want to wash my eyeballs but um, it's a process you know like no matter how much I don't like it that was how I that was what I did when I was you know 16 17 and that's right. like the best attempt that i could do right, yeah. at piecing a portfolio together so it's nice to kind of see the progress of that turning into what i can do now and mm-hmm. that just takes practice you know like like you said like piecing a portfolio together and lining up stuff making the you know the mm-hmm. the images look like i feel like for anyone who's not in the course mm-hmm. they're gonna be like nobody cares like it's just a portfolio but like to that me i feel true. like that's not true that's not true i feel like i like it just I don't know like I feel like when it's clean and well presented it tells you so much about the person who made Mm -hmm. the project and also the project itself Mm -hmm. but I think it's because we're in this environment for so long that's kind of things that like jump out to us that may not necessarily jump out to other people who are not necessarily in this field you know but I feel like it's just portfolio piece like layouts for me at least is like important because it tells the story of the project and like the narrative how you got to the final image and like how you work as a person um and it's also kind of like what's the best way to like what's the best way and best language to showcase the essence of your work so all of it just takes practice you know like when i look back at my year one portfolio year two and like i compare it to what i'm doing now like you can definitely see the development and then through that process you develop like an eye to see um how does it look like piece nicer together right, but then yeah. it's not just about looking nice it's about telling the story and the narrative mm-hmm. for me at least how do you feel about the portfolio stuff for you like you see I, development right yeah i think the longer that i've been here the more that i really enjoy putting it together like at the end of the week because you have tutorials in a weekly cycle i just 
really like putting my portfolio together because I can see everything come together and I see like oh this is where I got this reference from and this mm-hmm. reference from and this but then it that only happens when I'm like happy with my project yeah but but then again obviously we have good weeks and bad weeks but I feel like ultimately the portfolio is the tool that tells the story of your project mm-hmm. so yeah I do really like piecing it together and it's almost like when you finish a project and you look back at what you've done mm-hmm. it's like yourself frozen in time and you look mm-hmm. back at like how you did it it's kind of like yeah how I hated my portfolio back then but that was like me as a designer and what I what I could achieve frozen in that specific time yeah. in that portfolio you know and you look through your progress I think you really like looking at progress in general like even with like the, <laughs> the journaling and the vlogging and the yes, various I'm things a, that you I'm do I'm just a sentimental person yes <laughs> but I mean it's good yeah but that's just me you know that's kind yeah. of also the essence of like my P1 like my project one yeah. this year um, about like like because I'm doing it almost like as a diary form for my mm-hmm. drawing so yeah it's also collecting in the progress of how I achieved the end so I guess that also links to our next kind of next topic we could kind of briefly discuss about like P1 because I I think you were interested in discussing it oh, I think that was just because since you're talking about portfolio and about our experience now I think what because the project that we're working on now is P1 which is like the pre-building project project so there's not a lot of designing an actual space or building so I feel like especially because I was having a conversation with my mom about what my project was about and she was very confused as to why we were even doing P1 and I feel like that's, that's an example of how we develop our like design sensibility without actually designing a building and especially in P1 like it's more artsy than the other than P2 because you don't even need to design like it doesn't doesn't really have any constraints it can be sort of anything that you want it to be so like for example you are just drawing a very big drawing and I'm making a very short video Mm -hmm. and that's our P1 and it has no not much like architectural content either Mm -hmm. but I think that's also an example of how we we are forced to develop yeah like our aesthetic sensibility and how we are forced to experiment without the constraints and how sometimes that's actually really useful especially before it feeds into your building project later on yeah I feel like project one is kind of just a springboard that leads up to project two which is the building project and it's kind of like it gets your creative thinking to work I feel Mm -hmm. like it is still architectural like obviously we could argue like to what extent for each individual project because everyone's mm. project one it's is different mm-hmm. but i feel like to some extent it's definitely still architectural at least for mine mm-hmm. like like obviously i know it so i can say that but i feel like it is architectural and it's i think it's mostly about finding a language and that works for you and also mm-hmm. a way of thinking and a way of working that works for you which you could then apply to project two Mm -hmm. Um, obviously project two has a lot more constraints and you are doing your tech report with the project two whereas Mm -hmm. project one like you said is like not as much restraints Mm -hmm. which is good and bad i mean i like it so far (laughs) but i think it's also important for i guess even in the future like you need periods of thinking and experimenting and then you need periods of putting it into actual actual building but I, honestly I don't know I really don't know I don't know but I mean so far I feel like it it was a good at least from my experience in like project I mean from my experience in year two I did feel like it was a good springboard for the next project that's upcoming did you mm-hmm. feel the same way in your year two yeah I thought it was a good starting point as well but in year two obviously I was just much more confused and now it's like now my year three P- P1 has a lot more purpose than my year two P1 where I was just like do whatever around. yeah <laughs> seeing what you're into learning mm-hmm. skills like mm-hmm. digital skills yeah okay um I think like uh to kind of conclude and like to summarize what we've said I feel like like is aesthetics important in architecture you can have your own opinion but then like for me I feel like it like aesthetics is important to some degree mm-hmm. but like without the grounding of a site or context or functionality mm-hmm. it's just a floating piece of concept or art mm-hmm. so I think you really do need the visual to like capture the viewer's attention but like mm-hmm. once you've captured the attention then the content and everything else will fill in the gaps and then that creates a cohesive project and makes mm-hmm. the project rich in its own 
Yeah, what do you think? I think that it's something which I drive my project towards. Like, I think I, I'm very geared towards how something looks because I like to do, like, the rendering and the 3D things. And I feel like that's something which is very important to me, so I'm really happy that I'm, like, growing in this way, I guess. But also, yeah. it's hard to design when you just focus on that because I think what, yeah. what, I, what ends up happening with my projects is that it becomes very form driven and then I'm like yeah I just I, I just wanted a curve and then they're like but why and I'm like oh I don't know so then I have to like think I think it, like the, I need to like change my approach to make it more narrative driven I feel like it's definitely a balance of two like you need to have the kind of uh, speculative side but then the side also grounds you so it's not mm-hmm. well I just repeated what I said but to be fair I feel like um, sometimes the design is intuitive in some way like when I do mm-hmm. my drawing for my project one mm-hmm. yes it is kind of de- like some of it is derived from fragments of the site mm-hmm. and kind of the the narrative and things i'm looking at but some of some of the times when i'm just drawing things just come intuitively to me and i'm mm-hmm. like okay that's gonna go there like that's that's just i feel like that's all of the design process like sometimes you just don't overthink it too much it just mm-hmm. kind of unfolds itself mm-hmm. organically in the end anyways so mm-hmm. yeah yeah okay I actually I wanted to ask because back then I don't know if this is still relevant but then remember back then when you were saying something like uh, the tech part wasn't something you enjoyed the most but then right. you also said like the course but maybe like stuff you didn't enjoy in the course like <laughs> you were like questioning if you enjoyed the course I was just wondering like oh I think it's just like sometimes when, when I don't know what I'm doing I'm working towards like right now I'm in a good position but when I don't know what I'm working towards, I just don't enjoy it, which is obviously the case. So you, the point is to like keep going until you find something which you, which your which you, like sticks, right? Because mm-hmm. I feel like it's it's important to like also say things that you don't like about the course instead of just like saying yeah I really like this I really like this blah blah blah. You okay. know I feel like maybe the parts I don't like is that I don't like that it was so foreign to me at the start. Yeah. Because I just didn't know what what you're working towards. I think I didn't like that. I didn't know what I was doing, which is also partly the school's fault. Like they didn't set up very clear expectations of what we expected to produce. Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes even the year, like even now, like like some of the tutors in year two and year three are so much more clear about what I should make next week than year one, which is so weird. Yeah, I think it's a lot about the transition of things, yeah. especially the, the the transition from. A secondary school to uni like that transition was very difficult and even now when I'm mentoring the year ones like right. they couldn't they don't know what's going on you know and I always have to tell them like you know it takes time to figure out but then sometimes it is sometimes like the content of the course makes them right. a bit confused yeah so yeah I think it's just I mean the whole point of like the this podcast is kind of like talk about our opinions and feelings without because we're not advocating the school or anything we're just kind of talking about our feelings where we just happen to be in the same school and we're just discussing it so I think it's just nice to kind of talk about like things we like and don't like and yeah like things things are telling me like it's the it's the same thing like sometimes sometimes I'm like oh I'm so frustrated like this course sucks Mm. but it's only when like you said like I'm feeling bad like when I rethink Mm. everything it's a good progress like I see myself grow as a designer and like how I approach things and mm-hmm. that's also interesting to see how I grow and develop as a person you know something else I don't like is like we have to pay so much money to do stuff I swear this week I spent a hundred pounds on like my installation like project and my future is gonna cost like 400 extra pounds it's just crazy oh my god really yeah I don't know how much I'm paying yet so maybe next week I can complain <laughs> <laughs> it's just so expensive okay well, I, I totally feel you. Like, even living in London, like, please, the cost of living is just off, like, crazy already. Yeah. So I'm already trying to, like, save so much money. I mean, I'm doing... I am doing an expense list every week. Like, I'm trying to yeah. <laughs> cut my costs down. But yeah, I feel like I'm already trying my best. Um, Well, go, like, uh, leaving all the bad days and high costs, would you say, like kind of developing as a designer and like learning the kind of the balance between aesthetics and functionality like you enjoy that part yeah yeah I think in third year I really enjoy it but also because I'm getting a lot of positive validation from my tutors if I'm being honest probably and me 
No, me, me. Probably because I'm I getting know. a lot. So I say like, I'm I'm giving you positive validation mm. too. But obviously yeah. my, my obviously my opinion doesn't matter as much because I'm not marketing. <laughs> <laughs> but like I feel like so much of it is driven by what they think of my project. But you know I need to like take ownership and stuff. I'll be fine. I, I do yeah. like it now. I feel like okay. especially after last yeah, summer good. of experimentation in other career paths, this is much that's better. Good. Oh, I'm so happy for you. That's really good. But yeah, like the point where you say like taking ownership, it is like a thing. Like. I remember some people saying like this is like their tutor's projects and not theirs. Mm. At some point, I don't remember. It was like a long time ago. But mm. um, I think yeah, it's also a balance between like like uh, saying what you want and listening to their opinions because obviously they have more experience, right? Mm-hmm. But then sometimes you also want to stick to yourself. Mm-hmm. It's just finding a balance. There's no right or wrong. You never mm-hmm. know what this instance you should say. So mm-hmm. it's just mostly about feelings, which just kind of goes with the intuitive mm-hmm. and like aesthetics visuals part <laughs> of the project. So yeah. Do you have anything else to add? I think just since you're talking about aesthetics, yeah, and then talking about aesthetics, like going back to the Tumblr version, like in real life, mm-hmm. I think it's just so important, and I feel like it links to architecture in a way because I feel like sometimes when something is aesthetic, it's also about the whole experience. So I so so like when you see a sun like a really nice sunset, or like you go to like a really like street where like the walls are like super close, and then it's like mm-hmm. cobblestones, and it's just like ah, oh, this is so nice. And then, so aesthetic. Yeah, it's just like part of it is also like the experience, like how it makes you feel, and I feel like that really links to, like, really drives me to want to design the space as well, like how experiential it is. But I think that's just like that's the kind of designer that I am. Yeah, I get it. I mean, everything derives from experience, right? So that kind of influences our design to like a huge extent, unsubconsciously. Sorry, subconsciously. <laughs> subconsciously because it's all derived from experience and yeah I agree with you like when I see tiny alleyways with like nice walls and windows on the side I'm like yeah that looks so cool like I want (laughs) to I want to look at it like all like with my time and like appreciate kind of the small details that goes on in that alleyway so yeah I totally relate to that and it's almost like I feel like we need aesthetics in life to feel happy anyways because like otherwise the world will just be like a dull and boring place yeah. and like very utilitarian and it makes you like pay attention like. yeah some people things, like but yeah yeah you have like, pay I'm just like more present you know all of this <laughs> all of our all of our podcasts comes to be present to be present <laughs> in the moment but yeah i feel like otherwise the world will just be dull and boring and then which, which might be good in some field in some areas and applications but is I but I don't necessarily agree with that in like our context yeah. of like designing and stuff. Okay. So yeah, that's how I feel. Like you said, like it's just nice to have those kind of small sparks of um, aesthetics, and then you can appreciate it. And that's kind of like where the joy sparks from. Yes, you need the basis to form like the foundation and stuff, but mm-hmm. it's the kind of the small sparks and the the visuals that jump out to you and make you feel like I don't know happy and like can appreciate them so yeah (laughs) okay so that was this week's episode i hope you enjoyed it and yeah we'll see you in the next one Bye. bye